Scotty, energize. Energize. Good evening. This is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. January, I believe it's 23rd, 2017. It's nice to be back here in San Pedro, California, at the foot of the Vincent Thomas Bridge with my producer Mike Stark behind the glass and my guest hostess tonight, the baddest ass, this side of Skokie, Illinois, the most eligible bachelorette. The Windy City is created, impossible to grasp, slips through your fingers like wind, Joanna Basil. Hi, Lon. We got such an outpouring on social media because nobody understands how lame I am as a self-promoter these days as oh. you. Oh, I do, Because yeah. I don't know how to tag, and I, I, I keep my shit private, and... I don't want to be a public figure. I just, I would, I, I, I'm too precious these days and I have anxiety disorder. So, so Joanna says, if I'm coming to your show, people are going to know about it. And out of nowhere, she posts a photo of her top open, which is not, and in no way is this a sleazy photo. It is an immensely tasteful photo. And I, and she's got all kinds of traffic going on my Facebook page. Yeah, and traffic on my phone. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> I guess it's all welcome. Well, this goes back to the Larry Flint line when I went in to tell him that I was going to work for Clive Davis and I was leaving his company after 14 years. And I said, I'm getting paid a lot of money to be an A&R guy. And he goes, well, you know, line rock and roll will come and go, but sex will always sell. I guess we're still there, right? We are. Yeah, because I, you know, I get like nine likes on something when I put it up. Unless I have a picture of me and Axel from 1988, then I'll get like 200 likes. But your picture... Facebook alert, you have 90% more traffic than any other posts in the last two hours. Wow, really? And I'm still private. Who is texting? Oh, Brittany De Niro is texting me. Okay. She's the girl from Boston, the shredder, the guitar player I showed you a yeah, picture of. Yeah, she's a looker, and she's talented. She is. She's very talented. We had breakfast with Dave Higby this morning. Dave wants to do a cartoon of me. There's no theme here except I'm going to talk about uh, the NAM show, which I just spent four days doing interview. Lon Friend interviews guitar players for four days. Now, I really learned a lot about myself this week because you know from following my career that I've, I've chronicled a lot of music uh, as it's gone through phases through the 80s and 90s, 2000s. <clears throat> written two memoirs. I cannot play a note on any instrument. If you if if you put a bongo in front of me, it would it I couldn't even play that. But several musicians, after short and focused, graceful exchanges about their gear, made a similar comment to me that I don't have to be a musician. 
to understand a musician. And this is what was so wonderful about this NAMM show. This was my 30th NAMM show. It started in 1988 when RIP Magazine had a booth. And I conceived the RIP girl that year. And we sent girls out dressed much like you were in the photo uh, that you posted on my Facebook page with RIP t-shirts torn. And they brought rockers back to our booth. And that was the year, I remember it was Joe Elliott was on the cover and um, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Slaughter, Joe Satriani, everybody visited our booth because I had girls on the floor walking around. You know, I think the themes are going to kind of mesh tonight because it is about the muse. And I'm going to play you a really cool sound exchange of me and Matt Nathanson talking about the muse in a coffee shop in San Francisco. And Joanna likes that because then... We're going to play a song which is near to her because of the uh, the whole Chicago thing, right? Chicago thing. Now, I don't have much planned, and I have some stuff on my dad I'm going to play, which is really cool. But this is like, this is Lawn Friends Energized Podcast. It's unsponsored, unscripted, unstructured. And uncensored. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could spread right here. This We could turn this into Howard Stern in a minute. Mike, help me. (laughs) (laughs) But we won't, because I have great respect for this woman. You better. What was the line from the last time you were here? She turned some men to stone. Isn't that it? I don't remember. Okay. I heard about that for a couple weeks afterwards. Thank you. But Joanna's very knowledgeable in music. She was in the music business. And... A couple of things about the artists. I'll play a couple of songs by the people who, who I got to sit with. But one of my, I think, really most delicate exchanges was with Pearl Thompson from The Cure, who was founding member and guitarist of The Cure. And he's a very soft-spoken, eccentric gentleman who lives out in the desert with his chick. And we we really connected because I, his, his, his chick is is like me, a prog rocker. She's she's really into the Lamb Lounge down on Broadway. And I started to just riff on songs and sing them like I was a vocalist. And and he watched this, me being foolish lawn, singing, and she's singing with me. And I said, you see, this is my frustration, Pearl, is that I can't play anything. He goes, no, lawn, you're a musician. You are a musician. You just, You don't have to play an instrument to be a musician. And I had to like, wait a minute. That's so abstract. But he goes, the way you, the, your feeling for the music and the stuff you grew up with, because we talked about the 70s and live and the deaths of some of these precious artists. Like he, you know, he knew Keith Emerson, he knew Greg Lake, he knew David Bowie. And so, I mean, Iris was near and dear to my heart. And all, you know, they're about, they're perishing in numbers. Then I gave him my whole theory that, well, last year was like the worst year for energy on this planet and the campaign and the orange apocalypse. And it's just hard for artists to deal with that. So they just unconsciously say, I think I'm out of here. No, but it also creates great art. Yes. And then that's when I said this. Well, you know, Pearl, David Bowie released Ziggy Stardust six months before the... uh, 
72 election, Richard Nixon was uh, like reelected, and we all know how that ended. <laughs> and then we get into this whole discussion now about how protest music. I mean, we we over the next year we could possibly get songs like Pete Seeger, Bob Dylan. We could get some amazing inspired prophets of rage. Yeah, in a, um, yeah. resurgence of punk, perhaps. Yeah. Well, there's so much anger. But really, I think what's even more evolving now is is a generation of people who are into community. And that's the anti-effect of all this division and separation is, well, we can't survive unless we come together. And then it's called get back to John Lennon, right? Come together right now. So we're not going to get through philosophical, but um, the, many of these things just weave through my head, and I don't over-prepare for this. I never have. It's f over five years. I, I used to do it weekly, but then I moved to the desert, and then Mike has me when I come back. He always welcomes me in here because, to be honest with you, this is the happiest. This is like Disneyland for me. It's the happiest place. <laughs> you said that coming in. He said this is one of his happiest places. I, I feel safe and creative and free. And if you have a sense of liberation about you, remember Guru Singh, my Kundalini Yogi, used to say, freedom, freedom is wait. Freedom comes from without. Liberation comes from within. And for an artist, and I do consider myself an artist, a writer, and now Pearl Thompson says I'm a musician, <laughs> even though I can't play anything but the skin flute. Don't you have a comment? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. I don't. I just lost my train of thought. So... Jennifer Batten, Lita Ford, Cheap Trick, Kelly and Kathy Rhodes, brother of Randy Rhodes, Albert Lee, Steve Lukather, Phil Susan, Chuck Wright, Dave Ellison, Rudy, Robert Sarzo. I didn't get to talk to Rudy. There were a lot of really good people that just came by Lisa S. Johnson's 108 Rockstar Guitars booth. She's the photographer who photographs guitars like they're the superstar like they're the artists with such extraordinary intimate detail that these musicians they fall in love with her because of how much attention she pays to their gear and the other theme that's going through my head the whole weekend as i'm talking about their gear i'm not the scientist i'm not the technician they are but Get a, get any guitar player started on an anecdote about his guitar, mm -hmm. where it came from, how he came to acquire it, how he built it. I heard bass stories. I mean, Marty O'Brien told me a bass story, a Schechter bass story, which was so priceless. And I wasn't rolling any tape, so I can't even paraphrase it. But this is in the middle of a noisy Hilton bar where... Lizzie Borden and a bunch of people are passing by and saying, hey, Lon, and it's so, but he is locked into my eyes telling me this incredible story about this Schechter bass. And 
he animated and engaged and that's to me what what it that's what this whole last four days was about it wasn't about me even understanding the the tech the technological terminology about the pickups and all the other things and the hammer what do they call it hammocker hammer whammy bar humbucker oh i heard the word humbucker a lot and they they're just they speak like alien languages but they all understand each other because they're musicians but i've taken it in and really dig in the fact that that it, it's just so important to be a musician in love with your gear and this is this is this is the other thing is through my head the entire weekend is the prince song i love you baby not like i love my guitar I don't know if I can even find that song because it's like a YouTube clip. It's hard to find, but maybe I'll find it. There's a lot of unscheduled stuff coming up because there's no schedule. Do you have anything you want to say before we launch into a track from an artist who's not wasn't even at the convention, to best of my knowledge? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you. if you're not a musician, you're like the instrument. You're a conduit okay. through your writing okay. for these people to, to play, Thank essentially. You. Thank you. That's what I was thinking when you were talking about how I, I, I could be a conduit. I yeah. like being a bridge. I think you're you're a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the last few years, I felt like maybe there's a lot of snow and I'm about to collapse. <laughs> Somebody calling a snowplow for this man already. <laughs> what do we need to do? This is Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. The I'm going to play you a just a. It just came to me because I listened to Kate Bush radio station on Apple Music. And this song came on one day and I just fell in love with it. And I played it for Joe. And she goes, that's like the greatest song. So I'm going to play it for you <clears throat> right now as we start our show. This is John Grant. And this is Energize Lawn Friend Podcast. Probably say I'm difficult. I probably talk too much. I overanalyze and overthink things. Yes, it's a nasty crush. I'm
Her name was Poncho Barnes. Yeah. She was a pilot. Poncho Barnes. Okay. And you and she owned this ranch, dude ranch. A dude ranch. And the guys would come in and fly and land. She had a, her own landing strip. Where was the ranch? Next to Edwards Air Force Base. Okay. Right next to it. Okay. And we played there with Mike Riley. Okay. For a week, uh, one weekend. People would fly in with their planes and stay there. She had girls set up for the guys, you know. She was a very well-known female flyer. Okay. Pilot. Okay. She's got a, quite a name. Okay. Look it up. You'll I, see. I will. Now, what did you perform? Huh? What did you play? You played that song? I didn't know. I didn't play that song. Jerry Wallace recorded that. Song. Right. But we wrote it while we were there that weekend. You wrote it? The four of us. Who else besides Jerry Wallace? Mike Riley. Mike Riley. 
Red Coffee. Red Coffee. Me. You. And Pancho Barnes. And Pancho She was part of she the was part of writing it. team? Of the, of the written writing team. And none of us ever got paid for it. You got in a room and wrote? Yeah. We came up with the idea for the song. I did the music, and they, they put the words to it. Pancho did. Now, if Primrose Lane was such a hit, yeah. why didn't you get royalties because it was on the flip side? Because the guy that controlled the, the payments never paid us. What's his name? I told you. Tell me again. Wayne Shanklin. Shanklin. He screwed all of us. What's it? Primrose Lane. Life's a holiday on Primrose Lane. Just a holiday on Primrose Lane. With you. Can't explain. When we're walking down the Primrose Lane, even roses blooming in the rain, with you. Sweet perfume, those little old roses bloom, and I want to walk with you my whole life through. Primrose Lane. Life's a holiday on Primrose Lane Just a holiday on Primrose Lane Energize Alon Friend Podcast, January 23rd, 2017. <laughs> so, a little context. Every Wednesday, my dad and I go to the movies and we have lunch. And we've been doing this for three and a half years since I moved back to Vegas. And off times, I'll just pull out the iPod and I'll just start asking him questions. I've got this file full of my dad sound bites and one day he starts talking about this song primrose lane that he wrote the flip side to with three other people that's what he was talking about and primrose lane was a it was a huge hit and joanna says well the guy that that agent my dad mentioned shanklin go ahead yeah i said let's find wayne shanklin wayne shanklin he doesn't mess with don friend (laughs) 
right? For Chicago, Don Fran. Dude. So, but Wayne Shanklin, he, uh, he's no longer with us. How long ago did he die? 1970. Okay, so we can't even go there. No. Lon? Yeah, Mike? This is, I think this is the first time I've ever actually been on your show. <laughs> no, you have. You're just, you're just an echo on the other you, side yeah, of the Yeah, normally glass. I'm an echo. Today, okay, Lon. <laughs> today, stop. <laughs> today I get an actual microphone. Okay. I appreciate that. Well, I found your dad's song. By Your Side? By Your Side. Have you ever heard this? Yeah, I've heard my dad sing it. Yeah, he's he sits at the piano in the house when they at Christmas, and he'll play it. Myers, well, uh, he sings it with a fervor, like he's eighty-seven. And he's still got Robert Goulet pipes. Well, this is the Jerry Wallace version. You have the song. I have the song. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to hear it, Joe? Absolutely. Okay, let's hear it, Mike. By your side. <laughs> By your in my dreams, dreams that can come true. It's kind of, this is a slower version than my dad plays. But he wrote this song, right? He wrote 25% of it. Confide. With Poncho Barnes. Which is my new favorite name my in the whole wide world. And he never got paid. That is... You. When you think about the royalties that like some of these hair bands get for having written one song, you know, like, or, or the romantics... <laughs> What I like about you, their royalties, they live on that for the rest of their life, and their children and their grandchildren live in mansions because of one song. My dad never thought out a dime for the flip side of Primrose Lane. Was Primrose Lane a hit, Mike? Yeah, it was the number 47 song of 1959. The year my brother was born. Rick Friend, 1959. But had that happened, you may not be sitting here right now. Well, here's this is the story, okay? As in the case of bands seeking their dream, playing in garages or their bedrooms or wherever and making demos and trying to get a deal or whatever, trying to get in front of people and live the dream, 90% fail to get any traction or attention. The hardest part about being in the record business for me was to see how hundreds and hundreds of demos came through my desk and... I knew instinctively, and I knew from being with inside the corporation and the way the business was done and working for Clive Davis, who, you know, the the master blaster Darth Vader of all record companies, you had to have the hit formula or you didn't even have a shot. Then there were groups that come along that they break through in some odd way. There's no, There was no formula to some of these acts over the decades. They just happened. Radio played you. But the, the failure rate to, to get into a business where there's 90% failure. So to rationalize, you live a life. My dad's 87. He still plays piano. He plays for assisted living centers. And he, and he walks into a room, and there are people there that are a decade older than he is who are on their last breaths, and he gets them to 
get up off their walkers and sing the songs, the show tunes or whatever that he plays for them. And that's he's more alive. And he like he sits in front of that piano. My dad sits in front of that piano. You know what I do? I record my dad at the piano sometimes, and I send it to Steven Tyler. And he sends me back these emojis with tears and smiles because Steven's father was a piano player. And I met him when I was working you know, on his book, um, Does the Noise in My Head Bother You? And I was in Sunapee, New Hampshire, which is the title chapter of my second book, Sweet Demotion. He took me to the assisted living center where, where he where Stephen's dad was, and he had a he had a piano in his room, and I go, that was the first time I knew. I go, oh, I know why we're so connected. Your dad's a piano player. My dad's the reason why I'm a musician. My dad is the greatest piano player. He 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 still plays, and he was like my dad's age now. He was, and they'd come into his room, knock on his door, Mister Tyler. He, he, my dad still played, and when his dad passed away a few years ago, it's like I got that signal where you know from now, now time to time I'm gonna keep Stephen in the loop on how an old man can still play and 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 come to life in front of those keys, and that's why he loves when I send him the clips. You know, <clears throat> what really funny clip I have is I got my dad the music to to uh, dream on. And I had oh, him. Right I on. had him sing off the sheet music. Sing with me. Sing for the years. Sing for the laughter. <laughs> he never heard the song in his life. I never played it for him. But he read it off the music, and I videotaped it, and I sent it. And then I got you know big smiles, sweet emojis, whatever. So we're the sons of piano players, and I often use this analogy. I can't play, but I became a writer because my fingers move on the keys the way my dad's fingers move on the ivories. Maybe. Maybe. Because I remember going, when when we used, my brother and I used to make trips uh, to to Virginia when my dad, after my dad remarried Cher, to Sherry in the 70s, and we'd go back east and take our summer trips, and I would bring him music like I was into so he could play it for me. <laughs> and I, I, I brought Billy Joel's, I brought Billy Joel's turnstiles. I said, Pop, could you play Angry Young Man? And I'd show him the music. He goes, this is fast. I could, uh, I could play it. And he'd play it. He'd play it. And then he, New York State of Mind, he'd play it. And then I brought him Firth of Fifth from Genesis from Selling England by the Pound. I go, Pop, can you play, just play this for me? <laughs> Tony begs on the key, prog keyboards, but you know, it's just, he did it for me. But I said, "Can you like one one day I was there like I was like sixteen, seventeen? I go, can you show me just how to play anything on the piano?" He goes, "I'll show you a C C chord," and he and I played a C chord, and that was it. That's it. That's like the day Nuno came over and tried to show me how to play a couple notes on the guitar. I was going to ask, have you ever taken a lesson? No, because I there's nothing there. Trust me. There's no there there. I'm the same way, but you know I used to play the cornet when I was young. Well, wait, there's a Honeymooners episode where Jackie Gleason has got a cornet. It's a trumpet. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and, he, and he's trying to hit the high note, and he keeps failing to hit the high note, and it's a metaphor for how he, all his ideas... He never succeeds, but he keeps trying to hit the high note. 
you know, I'm going to find that soundbite, and I'm going to play that, of Jackie Gleason playing the cornet. Ralph, okay. Cram, Ralph crammed it. Okay, I thank, look forward to thank it. Thank you for that. Okay, so uh, earlier, uh, Joe said, uh, we, we talked about uh, Pearl Thompson, and Joe says, I have a favorite Cure song. And I go, which album is it on? And I go, oh, that's one of Pearl's albums. So Kiss, 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 great album. And then we're going to play a song from The Cure, because this is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. So play it, Joe. Here we go. Here we go. My DJ. Okay. Forget that. Your get get rid of your terrible iPhone. Well, no, it's the connection. Well, it was do- working well when mine bad as motherfucker sounded good. Okay, anyway. What else do we have queued up, Mike? This is, now you see why I don't have a sponsor. How about Butch Walker? <laughs> okay, I'm going to play you some Butch Walker, and then I'll tell you about my my uh, meeting with Butch at the NAMM show. This is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. <laughs> Saturday's fools Learned how to smoke Told dirty jokes Talked about loose girls from Rome I made out with most of them So I raised a toast to them Especially now that I'm old And the 45 Husbands that don't like their wives Three or four kids Make enough to survive And the paper mill jobs While the teen heart throbs Are playing in bands Or they're dead Fall for the hat trick, thinking it'll be like before. 
Like the football jocks trying to please their pops And stoners aping everything that bad uncles taught And the teachers who cared more than I ever knew The new play clubs let me sleep through school And my day job boss who wrote it up as a loss But let me leave when I wanted And I never got caught Sleeping out on the field in the back of my truck Breaking into the bar steal the beer and getting fucked by a girl twice my age Maybe minimum wage, but her tan lines were good And she had a good face, is this what I've become? Are we <laughs> okay? You better get my mic on. <laughs> now you know why I'm really not successful anymore in multimedia. Oh, come on! Oh, shit. look at this. Who does this? Okay, look, my Steve Cohen just texted me, Get it together. <laughs> Tell him to bring a goddamn pizza uh, over here. Steve Cohen, Village Pizzeria, how about getting your ass in your car and bringing us a pie? Exactly. Okay? How about that? Don't don't fire, don't throw stones, man. He who was he who was without cut crust cast the first <laughs> stone. Wait, how late are they open till tonight? Not that late. Because you said you were gonna buy me dinner. Oh no, I'm buying you dinner. But we'll, uh, oh. Steve won't be open. Oh man. He he says, "Get it together. Stop arguing with your co-host. I'm the baddest motherfucker 62% of the time." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's nice I have one listener. Um <clears throat> okay. So we were going to play some cheap trick, but that didn't work. Will it work? Okay, so the first two people that came by the booth on Thursday were Tom Peterson and Rick Nielsen, and, Rick Nielsen. and that's a great way to start your NAM show. Because nobody loves talking about guitars more than Rick Nielsen. He has about a thousand of them. Speaking of pizza, too. He's got that place in Chicago called Peace, Peace. Pizzeria. Ooh, and it's I actually see. very good. Very no, good. No, I've been there. Yeah. In fact, he hosted a Planet Rock book signing for me. In 2006, when the book came out, I went to Chicago, and he delivered pizza to everybody in the room that bought a book. And uh, that was and that was a night Toto was playing at the House of Blues and Lukather after soundcheck came down and he paid an appearance because they'd known each other for a long time, and it was one of the really best best nights and it, we did it at Peace Pizzeria, and that was cool. So so I'm sitting on Lisa's sofa and in her little booth at Nam and I, I just say, what are your three favorite guitars? Maybe most valuable or which have the best stories. And 
he he starts to discuss the ones that she shot, which is the one with like the heads, the face on the top of it. it, it you could see it's a famous guitar. Then there's the checker, mm-hmm. the one with the checker on it. And he says like one of them is like worth $1.8 million. If he gave me his shittiest guitar, I could probably live for the rest of my life on what it's valued at. But he, he's one of those, he's the greatest motherfucker, right? He wants all of his guitars. The other thing that really hit me was when I'm having these kind of discussions with guys I've known a long time, like Rick and Tom and Dave Ellefson, and and when they when they're just like matter of factly discussing how many instruments they own. Mm-hmm. How many do you need, really? Like, how many guitars will make you happy? Be, and they have volumes. Some of them, they don't even pull them out to tour anymore. They keep them in, like, a vault someplace. There there were some stories about, like, 62 and 59s and these ancient axes that had such great stories attached to them. They don't even take them out of, like, their coffins or mm-hmm. their vaults anymore. I think that was kind of fun. I wish I had more specifics. You know, I have, I do have a soundbite of uh, still on my phone of a conversation I had with one of the guitarists about his guitar. So let me find that. Obviously, it's not smooth running this evening, and I don't apologize for that. But Joe, when's when's first time you heard Cheap Trick? Oh God, I, don't I mean, remember. you're from Chicago. Yeah, um, it was on the radio, of course. Prepubescent boobs early i'm still prepubescent in that department lawn <laughs> come on i'm still waiting are they one of the bands that remind you of your youth that take you back absolutely um and then i you know i i've seen them so many times and and uh how yeah. good are they still really they're still great yeah we just they played new year's eve in vegas right i i didn't make that last time i saw him play was when rick he flew out one day he came out Got on a plane, flew out, played one song at oh, our friend Carrie's memorial. That was Carrie Simon's memorial. He came in and did one song with, with the band. Yeah, I thought that was that was such a nice yeah. gesture. They it were was, they were good friends. Yeah, that was so cool, and it made me happy on such a weird yeah. day. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. So we'll listen to some cheap trick, and then we'll come back and we'll continue this train wreck of a show. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast.
I've known her all these years. We'll do the vocals, Mommy's, Mommy's alright, Daddy's alright. They just seem a little weird. Surrender, surrender, but don't give yourself away. Hey, hey. <laughs> Who knew Mike would find a version with a demo with no vocals. So like we're going to we're going to fill it in, right Joe? Like we don't know this song? I don't know all of it by heart. Losers of the year. Every time I got to thinking where they disappear. I, when I woke up Mom and Dad were, we're rolling, rolling on the couch, rolling numbers, rock and roll. Had my Kiss records out. Mommy's alright, Daddy's alright. They just seem a little weird. Surrender, surrender, but don't take yourself away. I'm a musician. I can sing. Away! Okay, let's do the chorus again. Mommy's alright. Daddy's alright. They just seem a little weird. Surrender. Surrender. But don't give yourself away. We're all alright. We're all alright. We're all Robin, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Surrender, but don't give yourself away. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> oh. oh no. Uh. Energize Salon Friend Podcast. My apologies to uh, the great Cheap Trick. And everyone who's listening. My apologies to the entire population of Rockford, Illinois. And all of the United States. And to Steve Cohen, the one person who's listening. <laughs> Steve Cohen, our one listener, who, who hasn't brought us any pizza yet. Yeah. And we're hungry, fucking hungry, Steve. Very hungry. Oh, boy. Steve Cohen's first concert was Bangladesh. Madison Square Garden. And when Megan and I were walking by the Madison Square Garden in New York last month, I took a picture and I sent it to him. I go, hey, what does this remind you of? <sighs> wow, that was exhausting, but fun. So look, you think that I'm that I planned this shit, right? That I that no. I didn't know Mike queued up a saw a version of Surrender without vocals. Mike I didn't neither. Mike didn't. <laughs> People are out there going, how do they even give this guy airtime? Who is this guy? Well, my name is Lon Friend. I am a um, music journalist. Not really a journalist. I'm kind of a zealot. <laughs> I'm a fly on the wall. My mother just texted us. 
What did she say? You guys just ruined one of my favorites. <laughs> That's my mother. Hi, Mom. Okay, we have two people listening. Your mom born in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. South Side. South Side. What, that's another song that my dad loves to do. Which one? On the south side of Chicago, in the baddest part of town. Bad, bad but if you go Leroy down Brown. there, you better just beware of a man named Leroy Brown. Them bad, bad, bad Leroy, Leroy Brown. Brown. Baddest man in the whole damn town. Badder than old King Kong. Meaner than a junkyard dog. Thank you, Mike. We could rest for three minutes. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. <clears throat> <laughs> you know what you did by showing your chest today? I'm getting like texts and messages. I never get, no one listens to the stream. They listen to when Mike puts up the link at night. 
they listen and and we get hundreds and hundreds sometimes thousands of people that that click in and listen to it on demand there are people listening to us joe we could ruin our career yeah open it up there's a camera dude there's really nothing to show there there, there really isn't she's the they, that's why <laughs> that's why they call her the surfboard of south Southside. oh my god but this photo is it's not even airbrushed it's like awesome that that was a the, a friend gave me the sweatshirt it was cotton candy colored and our friend was in the hospital in his last days, and that was the last photo I sent yeah. my friend Carrie. That sent him to the other side with a smile on his face and cotton candy on his tongue. I hope so. It did. I hope so. It did. You said I forgot to talk about Butch Walker. Well, that was... <clears throat> I was over at the uh, Music Man, um, Sterling Ball's booth, and there's hundreds of people in there. And all these guitar players walking around. And I went to get like three minutes with Lukather to talk about his Music Man guitar and to hug him because we lost a mutual friend uh, recently, Miguel Ferrer, the actor. Luke kind of grew up with him in the Valley, and I was friends with Miggy from like 1994 to 2007. I lost 2010. Moved to Vegas and just back and forth in the desert. You lose touch with people. But um, he passed away recently, and he was loved by many. And I, I had to give Luke a hug. And, and while I was, like, right there, then I look, and there's Butch. <clears throat> now, Butch, Matt Nathanson gave me Butch's cell number, so we've been having this texting friendship over the last year. But And, and Butch was a Rip Magazine guy because his band South Gang was in the magazine. He's one of those, what I call them, the metal balladeers. Let me just digress for a second here, okay? I pitched a story to Rolling Stone and they passed. I call it the metal balladeers. There are four award-winning, brilliant, storied singer-songwriters that had subscriptions to my magazine back when they were teenagers in the 80s and 90s. And, and I'm going to say their names because I know it for a fact because each of them has in one way or another communicated this to me personally over the years. And that's John Mayer, Ryan Adams, Matt Nathanson, and Butch Walker. They, they have a reverence for that 80s metal for what for the pinups that were in the mag when I met John Mayer it was I took Megan she was 14 13 14 uh, it was it was the form synchronicity Aerosmith and Cheap Trick I didn't, we didn't have a ticket we just I just looked in the form club knocked on the door and there was Rick Nielsen passing by he goes what are you doing out here I said I I, I came in from Vegas and brought my daughter, he goes, get in here. Puts, you know, lambing around my neck and walks me backstage. First time, I think, Stephen kissed Megan on the cheek. And then down the hallway, I see this tall character that I know. And it's uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he goes, hey, Lon, I want to introduce you to somebody. You got a fan of yours here. And this is 2003 or four, And he's had one big hit single. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Real World, I think it was called. But um, my Megan goes, Dad, that's John Mayer. 
and I looked cool all of a sudden to my kid. It was like the first time where I, my daughter thought I was cool because she was too young to know hang, flying on Aerosmith's plane. She, she didn't know from that. But, Dad, that's dumb, man. So he comes over. He goes, Lon Friend, Rip Magazine. My bedroom as a kid was lined with pictures, posters from your magazine. Thank you. And I, <laughs> thank you uh, for that and for making me look good in front of my daughter. <laughs> so I thought that this roundtable discussion with these four guys, me kind of in the middle, moderating and them telling stories anecdotes mm -hmm. about how they became inspired to compose great song i mean these are grant some they've got grammys amongst these guys and that is it just wasn't cool enough for rolling stone so they didn't they didn't go for it but i think some way i want to kind of make that happen this year is to do the metal balladeer so i'm putting it out there into the universe that I'm going to get this done. I know Matt's the one who really pushing me towards this. Well, hello. Talk to Matt. Let's get this thing yeah, started. Yeah, because he could help me assemble them and stuff. And, you know, I haven't seen John Mayer since that night. But it doesn't matter. When you have a memory of your childhood and something like a magazine that connects you, I had this amazing moment with uh, um, <clears throat> Jacob Bunton, this skinny sweet six foot four alabama vocalist who sings is front man for steven adler's band when they go out and tour and they play festivals and i saw him at the m3 last year and jacob he he pulls me aside at the hilton the same night in that in the bar and he goes lon you you know that in alabama when i was a kid a teenager I had nothing but your magazine every month. You're the reason why I play an instrument. I hear that all the time. And that's just, and because I'm so, what I call in my second book, bitch slapped by the universe, this sense of humility is so genuine that I can't even listen to that stuff anymore because it's, it's, I don't, des number one, I don't deserve it. It's, it was a magazine that other people helped me put together, that a great staff helped me, uh, but I I did go out as the mouthpiece and I and I developed relationships and I'm proud of that that we had the best of its time. I mean, there's a small piece of history where I could say that we we did the best. But we had the best of our time. That's where it comes in that you are an instrument of of these songs of these songwriters. If you think about it, you influence them. When they were a kid, they got that Rip magazine in the mail, couldn't wait to read it from cover to cover, plastered it all over their room. You know, you influenced a lot well, of that's, great people. That's the conduit part because it's the artists in the magazine that inspired them. It's the music by Def Leppard and Ozzy. But you made all that Sabbath come alive with, Judas Priest with help from a photographer and everything else. And Motley else, Crue but, and Guns. Those are you, those bands are the ones that inspired. But you made them. those bands come alive. Yeah, right, that's right true. there on the pages. See, I, I'm not good at compliments. This. Well, it's a fact. That's why I don't have a, any game anymore. I can't make the first move. I, I don't even know how to date. I'm. You're not alone in that, though. I'm, I don't know why you I think... I have become socially retarded. We're all that not. way. I don't have any game. Oh, 
Yeah. I do. I you don't. You put up one picture and you got 97 date proposals. No. It's not I, easy. What am I going to do? Put up a photo and chicks are going to go. people from my past hey, asking if it was me. Is that, I, wow. Is wow. That you, you look really good that in that. That looks great. You got, you got a good look going with that with that knit cap and that goatee. Hello? What? Yeah. Their fashion. Don't you understand? Chicks like a good vocabulary. Turn to the left. They like turn to the right. They like good humor. <laughs> but you're funny sometimes. The goon squad is coming <laughs> uptown. Beep beep. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. All my heroes are dying. You remember that the sound bite with you and Matt? It's not about the okay, physical. Okay, so all right. So anyway, I played this for Joe because I found this on my phone. And I'm I'm just without editing. I'm just gonna start playing this for a couple minutes because I'm really obsessed by the muse. I've had a hard time finding the, the narrative of my third book. It's it's torture. This just novel memoir hybrid. I just can't sit down and just start writing and letting it flow like everybody says. Just let it bleed, let it flow. And it's not easy for me because I have issues, but. Last year, I was in San Francisco, and Matt and I had coffee in his neighborhood in San Francisco, and and I just ta- and I recorded this because it was then that I was trying to think about doing this novel that was like a rock and roll slaughterhouse five, and I'm just gonna play some of our rap, and because this is my show, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Lon Friend Energized Podcast. iPhone. She's like, whoa. A muse, right? So she becomes, maybe she becomes that girl in that I can't find and, and, and that I'm crossing in time and space. But she's real. She's a singer. And she's lost too. She doesn't know how to find her way where her home is. And I'm lear- I gotta learn in my life that phys- the physical is becoming less and less important. It is less and less important, for sure. Especially. Like the key to life is meditative states, right? Yeah. Like being focused and locked into where you are. And so when you're with this woman, you're locked in. Like you, you don't want to be anywhere else. You don't do anything else. You don't focus on anything else. It's like that's the creative place. That's like that's the place everybody wants to get to. That's like that's like hypnotized and like inspired and. Uh, and, and meditative about you know her face, you know. Yep. That's the key to it all. And that's what inspires. And you, as a, as a songwriter, you draw from that, right? I mean, yeah. The, whether it's your current muse who you married to and having your two kids, or women in the past, they've sparked your. Imagination. Yeah, yeah, or women now. Like or, or Polly. Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. You don't have to sleep with them or even no, make out with them no, for them no. to like fucking be a mute your universe. Rule your universe. You know what I mean? It's fun. And you allow them space. You like carve out space for them. Yeah. You know, and when you carve out space for them, good shit grows. I fell asleep Had a dream Bill Murray and I were friends We drove the world From Boston to Japan 
Blasting old Van Halen And one night over drinks Bill started crying He said to me, kid Of all the stupid things I ever did You know I let go when I should have pulled her in And he handed me his cell phone When I called, you were on a plane Moving back to Portland for the rain I won't only love you when you're winning Other fools pretend to understand Come on, take my hand, we'll go down swinging Let me be your man Let me be your hundred days We hiked the coast to Galway in the rain Bill said something late one night in Spain And it's always just stuck with me You only get one person knows you best And it's temporary everybody else to understand Come on, take my hand We'll go down swinging Let me be your man Let me be your man I'm done with sleep Imagine show you how I'm so in the moment tonight. Energized Line Friend Podcast. So Matt Nathanson in that song Bill Murray, which like brings Joe to tears. Look at her. (laughs) Every time. I mean, she's weeping. He says early Van Halen, right? In the beginning of the song. That's a cue from the universe to play some early Van Halen. Which is what we played on the way. Well, in, in the car, <laughs> on your shuffle came on "Run with the Devil." But I think, to this day, maybe my favorite Van Halen album is "Women and Children First. Mm-hmm. And since we have the theme of Muse and the line running down the back of her stockings, let's stay in the flow, shall we? This is Energize. Hey, 
We're not done. We're just starting to rock. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, it's Matt Nathanson. Growing up in suburban Massachusetts, the only real backstage insight into my favorite kind of bands, uh, heavy metal bands and hard rock bands, was through magazines. And uh, Rip Magazine was my Bible. And Law and Friend was my Jesus.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. The great Randy Rhodes. One of my really enjoyable conversations over this last few days was with Kelly and Kathy Rhodes, the brother and sister of Randy. They are the keepers of the Rhodes guitar legacy. Mm. And um, Lisa Johnson photographed the, like a couple of the really sacred guitars, one that has the 0001 serial number on it. Anyway, so Joe's doing some research here about that record. And now, as I'm going to toss to my Robin Quivers of the evening. Well, when we were talking about the Rhodes brother and sister that you met. Yeah. And uh, I referenced the photo, the famous photo. The photo of... Ozzy holding Randy up in the air, holding his his flying bee. Right? Yeah, and that's Paul Natkin, who's a photographer in Chicago, Chicago that I knew from my River North Records days. Uh, he shot for Rip Magazine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know Paul. Sure. So Paul and I were, were buddies back then, but that was one of his most famous shots. And sure. I, I remember seeing it on something, but I thought it was an album. And so we were looking that up, and it's actually from the Crazy Train Live um, single. Okay. So, Yeah. I think it was released in 87, but um, maybe it was recorded in 81. Now, to tell you how the flow is just just so effortless this evening, one of, one of the last guys that came by the booth just wandered by while I was talking to um, uh, Dave Ellison from Megadeth, finishing up a warm conversation with him, who I truly love for such a long time. One of the kindest. He there he It's never... A, a problem to get ask Dave to do something for you. If you're in the media, he always is always made time. And we're going back to like '87, so this is almost 30 years since Rip covered Megadeth, and I got to know him and Dave. And uh, he's just as warm and accommodating as he as ever. So he sat with us and he told stories about his bases. And then this dude just comes over. He goes, Lon. Junior and it's Brad Gillis, ah. and I love Brad Gillis because he's so easy to talk to, and he could just you start him with the sentence and you get sixteen paragraphs. So he looks up, he goes, "You at least has got to shoot my red guitar." I said, "I know." Last year at M three last last spring, I said, "You've got this red guitar," and then he tells the whole story about his red guitar, and then on top of that story is, as we always guide ourselves into the synchronicity of the moment, he, he talks about when he took over on the Aussie tour after Randy passed. Mm-hmm. And that was, what, 82? 1982, yeah. <laughs> and then every time Night Ranger comes to Vegas, I see them. And Jack Blades and his son James, they're so good live. There's and and uh, I I think why people continue continuously buy the tickets to these vintage bands, these bands from the '70s and the '80s, and you know now the '90s is 25 years. Okay, so is because they want to return to that emotional connection that they had in that room when they were seeing it live, maybe on a date, or maybe when they were to smoke some good weed, whatever, they felt that high that only live performance 
can get you. But not only that, there are kids like me that were in your bedrooms listening to these songs, and they were just great songs. Great songs. Great songwriting. And if you could still play them live, if you... Because it's, you know, you sometimes you go to a show and they just, they don't have it anymore. So the tribute band is better. And you go see the tribute band. Because they're so good. I'm not a fan of tribute bands. You know who I talked to? I talked to Jimmy. He's the Japanese Jimmy Page. He's in a band called Led Zepp again. Uh-huh. Most phenomenal Jimmy Page. And I know a couple of Jimmy Pages. I know John from Zozo, who's in Colorado, and... You know, he's the one I took him and Nicole's girlfriend to see Jeff Beck last year. and <laughs> Which I'm so sorry I, told the, I missed that. I told this story because it's part of the Jeff Beck tale from a few months ago when I, w- I told Jeff Beck's story. And I said, I go, Jeff, this is John. He's Jimmy Page in a Led Zeppelin tribute band. And Jeff Beck looks at him and he says, is that hard? <laughs> obviously you can't just tell that story once <laughs> but having now meeting the japanese jimmy who's he has every nuance and move down and when i it, he his english is so broken but he gets across the fact that for over 20 years he has studied every single move gesture note riff from the entire Led Zeppelin catalog, and if you ever see Led Zeppelin again, you you will see how phenomenal he is. He he, it's scary. He looks like he wears the bell bottoms, and the whole thing is, is just it a like must right there. See? It's a must see. Okay. And um, where was I going on this? I don't even know. It's it's okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, I was talking about how we we get into that room and we our youth comes back to us mm-hmm. and we feel connected again and then we're kind of with our tribe if if you're at a show where the the kindred is with you you know you like you're all into it right like i'm excited to go on the yes cruise again i went last year and the yes cruise is like prog bands and i mean marillion played last year these are bands i've loved for 30 years and oh marillion i gotta call jill (laughs) Back. I gotta call Jill back. Yeah, God, you Jill and, and Jay are the biggest Marillion fans. You there and is. you and Jay like went and saw them in different cities. So. Well, no, Jay, Jay went to different cities to see Marillion. We saw them at the Saban, okay, and they were phenomenal. And he had like quick chat afterwards. But the next night, I'm at the Rainbow, and I'm in the first booth on the left. And I look, and in walks Steve Rothery and Steve Hogarth, the you know the 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 the, the plant and page, page and plant of Marillion, and there no one, I mean you, they they wouldn't be spotted in a lineup at the Rainbow, but they fill stadiums in Europe for right. three decades. They're just a storied, remarkable, progressive rock band, and their visual presentation is extraordinary. And they're sitting at the two booths over, and I I just get up and I walk over. I go, hey, I'm Lon. You guys came to my office, and we had lunch after Fish left the band in 1988. And you, I don't know if you remember, but we went to this Chinese restaurant with your publicist, that that all doesn't mean anything. I saw you last night. You were phenomenal. And can I just sit down and talk to you for a minute? And they were like, 
Yeah, man, sit down. And I noticed that um, Rothery was drinking a Cabernet, but it wasn't like a great Cabernet. I don't know wines, but he's like getting house was- Cabernet. So I call the manager over. And any uh, the first time I went in with Fred Corey, the manager was like, he was like the new manager. And he was just so cool to me. So now it's like, can you bring Steve? These guys are icons of Prague rock in Europe. Can you bring them a good bottle of Gavin? And he goes, give them the best bottle I have. No problem. And then we talked for a little while, and then you could see him. He toasts me from the other booth, and it was really nice. One thing I remember about that conversation is this is, you know, a few months ago, and it was, and it was right after the Brexit vote. Where mm-hmm. the, and I and I because because the lyrics Marillion's record Fear there's so much about their politic there's there's politics and the darkness of greed and political uh, negativity mm-hmm. and division there's a lot of those messages are in there are in some of their songs. So I said to I said to to Steve, what, what do you think of this campaign? Because it was right in the middle of the mm-hmm. you know the most poisonous campaign in the history of American politics. And he goes, I tell you something, man. Everybody I knew woke up in the morning thinking that England would still be part of the Union. You better watch yourself, because anything can happen these days. And he was he was right. Right. <laughs> Look what happened. The media was yeah. comparing the two. Anyway, so we were talking about Brad Gillis and Night Ranger, and I figured since Joe and I are so into singing tonight, you might get us on the chorus. So we're gonna play some Night Ranger. It's Energize the Lawn Fram podcast.
that's true, baby. Talk to me now, Joanna. in your sight, your sight. See, we don't have lyric sheets. Motoring. What's your price for flight? Light, get out of here. There is no Mr. Right. You know, I'm Mr. Right. Come on, Brad. Show me what you got. Play that red guitar. Is this the red guitar? That's the fucking red guitar. Yeah, there's 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 legacy to that guitar. I forgot how much I love this song. <laughs> yeah, it's a total chick ballad. Huge. And poignant. Yeah. Wind it up, wind it up. Motoring. Oh, we're motoring. What's your price for flight? <laughs> Finding Mr. Right. Or Miss Right. You'll be all right tonight. Pull it out from the groin now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sister Christian, oh, the time has come. Go, Joe. <laughs> Your voice ain't bad. Sing it to me. Sister Christian, oh, the time has come. And you know that you're the only one to say. Okay. Motoring. <laughs> yeah. Motoring. Motoring down the 110 across the Vincent Thomas. Motoring. Motoring. I'm motoring. Energize Lawn Friend Podcast. Apologizing to all the artists whose classics we broke open and Butchered. Butchered this evening. But you know what? You know why people will dig this? Because in the moment that we're cranking, motoring, in that moment, we are youth. I'm not 60. You're not whatever you are. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, We return through the cosmic graces of music, the power to take us back in time. And that's what it's all about. That's why we love music. That's why music will get us through these challenging, really difficult times ahead. Really. It's going to be hard the next few years. And we need music. We listen to music. Keep your earbuds in. 
You don't have to stay online and read all of the news feeds about every decision that's being made that may or may not affect no, you personally. that drives you crazy. You know what affects you personally? Your breath. You know what affects you personally? Yogi, what you Yogi do. Joanna. Yeah, what you do as an individual. So if you want to make a big difference, start with yourself. Be the about- change, as Gandhi said. Exactly. That's right. That was really good. I know it's like we're exercising, we're singing, we're dancing during the well, break. Well, this is what I meant when I said I come into this room and all of a sudden all my issues and my anxieties and my fears and my uh, all the illusions, they're all lies. Right, they, it's they, the stuff they, we tell they, ourselves they, in our head. They evaporate. They evaporate. You know what I want to do? What, Mike, what do you got? What do you have? Because I want to think about what my last song is going to be. So I want to play something and then come back. And then I want, but I want to think about a closing number. How about a yes tune? Oh, we did talk about yes. Do you have one queued up that you think would fit? Okay. I saw them in 1975 at the forum. It was the Tales of Topographic Oceans tour. It was a double album. The lyrics were based on the writings of Paramahansa Yogananda, John Anderson, like George Harrison and many other great artists, was moved by the great yogi that truly brought yoga to the the West in the 1920s, was known by presidents and heads of state. There's a terrific documentary about Yogananda, and it has, and George Harrison is in it, with Ravi Shankar. Um... That that concert was one of those, they played for the whole f- double album, front to back, and then they came back and did Close to the Edge, an 18-minute encore. That was the vintage lineup that I saw. That was Steve Howe, John Anderson, Rick Wakeman, Alan White, and the late, great, great Chris Squire. So, yeah, let's do some yes, and then we'll come back and wind it up. This is Energize, a lot for a podcast. Silence me, leaving no trace I begged 
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, January 23rd, 2017. I think this is like our 63rd or 64th show. It doesn't even matter. Numbers don't matter. Letters matter. Breaths matter. Heart matters. Head, let that go. Yeah. Really? No, no mind. Just <laughs> intellect. No, no mind. Get empty. Get empty. Because it's... The Buddha knew in the nothing is everything. That's where you find it. You know what I'm saying? So we found a song. And the synchronicity is the entire convention it rained. There's been enormous storms in Los Angeles. It, if, if the drought isn't at least in some way minimalized over these last few weeks... Then there's something wrong with the planet. Well, there is something wrong with the planet. There is. But I believe, I well. I think that this has been so good, cleansing. The, the, driving over here because the storm passed was the most beautiful sky, those billowy clouds, the, the kind of skies that you appreciate if you grew up in Southern California when a front passes. It's brisk. It's clean. L.A. feels fresh. L.A. feels fresh, bapt, baptized by the heavens. That's what I'm talking about. We bless the rains down here in Southern California. Okay. So for my friend Steve Lukather and our friend Miguel Ferrer, who recently departed, who is now up there playing his drums. He's a hell of a he was a hell of a drummer. You know, Miguel told me once that that he, he he almost got the role to play Buddy Rich and that would be like that was really? like the role of his life. He goes, You know, Lonnie, I read a script, Buddy Rich, I want this I want this role. Like, of course, Mig. He goes, he's the greatest that ever lived. Oh yeah. You know that you know. I had a show called Breath of Fire on Pyre on not Pyre Radio on um, KNAC dot com in two thousand to two thousand one. It was a weekly show. It was like this, free form, no censorship, and it was on the web. And I had guests. You know, I remember Lemmy coming in for a couple hours, and Ian he and Asprey came in one night. He goes, you know, Lon. You're the guy who should negotiate Slash and Axel back together again. (laughs) Right, 17 years ago. Wow, finally happened. I had nothing to do with it. Guys with big checkbooks had a lot to do with that. You could have just said you did. Why would I lie? Alternative. Alternative news. Alternative (laughs) truth. Alternative truth. Sorry. Alternative facts. Alternative Alternative facts. facts. That's it. No, look. Alt-rock, yes. Alt-facts, new. <laughs> so um, I wrote out this intro to my show. It was called Breath of Fire. And and Miguel came by the studio one day. I go, because he has the voice. He, he had the voice that was in all those movie trailers. In a world confronted by doom, in a dystopian future no man could possibly predict, there was one woman, there was one hero. That's That was Miguel's voice. He was on so many movie trailers. What irony for a man whose voice was his life to, to, to die of throat cancer. That is how wicked the universe can be. Anyway, he came into the KNAC.com studio, Bob Ezrin's studio there in Santa Monica, and he sat in the booth, and in one take he read what I wrote. It's dark outside. But in here, where the fire burns, it's all good. 
You've stumbled into Lawn Friends Weekly Radio Adventure, Breath of Fire. Do you have that somewhere? Yes. Find it. Well, I asked I asked Jennifer back in Vegas if she could find the CD, but she couldn't because she has to work for a living. Because she knows where my tub of CD of my discs is. But it, it I wasn't prepared. Obviously, I'm not that prepared for this so show. So none of that's archived. No. Well, yeah, I have it on disc. Nothing's digitized. It's just in a tub. You know, you want a metaphor for my life? It's in a tub. <laughs> <laughs> At least say bin. It's in a bin. It's in a plastic bin. It's in, it's in a Walmart It's in a bin. crate. No, I used to have albums in crates. Boy. You know my brother got this new system. He hasn't bought a stereo in like 30 years, and he got this system where the speakers are like four feet high, and it's just and all he listens to are the popping vinyl from that we had in our room like forty years ago. I have my grandma's hi fi, her zenith. And But so, these records sound amazing on his system, even though they pop a little bit. He puts on Super Tramp, of course. And then we're like, Oh God, it's we're back smelling the vinyl the week it comes out, cutting it open, remembering the scent. Yeah. I really am fortunate to kind of have the, whether I'm making any money or not, I'm fortunate to have this interesting journey and career. Like a couple months ago, I'm in Chicago at the Arcada seeing Roger Hodgson, and I was fortunate enough to have like this 10-minute conversation with him afterwards, and I gave him a copy of Sweet Demotion because I told him there's a chapter, 21, where I'm doing a bio for the All-American Rejects, and they're recording it at Barefoot Recording, uh, Eric Valentine's studio, and I'm standing in the room where you mixed Breakfast in America. And he goes, and he's shaking his head. He's looking me right in the third eye, because that's Roger. Mm-hmm. Know, he's the mystic. He was the mystical one, still is. Wrote those songs that were about consciousness, you know, Baba G, and even in the quietest moments, logical song, give a little bit. He, mm. All... Th- songs that last, right? Because the messages last. And he, I said, I can remember the day he came home with the record and I sliced it open and I still can smell that record. And I, I didn't go to school that day. I listened to it all day long, over and over again. And Barb let you do that? Well, she was at work. Oh. She was at Blue Cross, earning a living. You know, I used to earn a living, but I never worked as hard as either as hard as either of my parents. My the, my best run was when it wasn't work. It was connecting fan to music and traveling and being in the moment with musicians and not and like I said in the earlier, here we go full circle, not understanding anything about music, but understanding the soul of the artist and the process it takes to somehow magically pull a song or a riff out of the sky. And deliver it to the people. But you know, ancient Indian philosophy tells you that if your goal isn't money or recognition, right? And you you work like it's your sense of duty. It's your duty to yeah. share this with the world, it's right? Mi- you're on mission. Then, then yeah. naturally, you command money and attention to your your craft. But that can't that can't be your your fuel. No. 
those who read my second book, Sweet Demotion, understand a little bit of what I went through the last few years. And thank you, Joe, because you've read it twice. Mm -hmm. Isn't it weird? Wait a minute. Do you know where we met? You said All-American Rejects, and then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. We met at an All-American Rejects. Like release? For that album. Really? Yes, 2008. It was that record. It was that record that I wrote the bio for. It seems so I used to ride my bike to the studio because it was when Rob Hill and I were living in the loft. Chapter 21. Yeah. Life on Shuffle. Crazy. Tyson Ritter had this industrial bong. <laughs> that like it was like this had this huge tent attached to it. It was like black and decker. And God, the day they hazed me in the studio, because it was like going back in time again, like when Pantera used to make me drink whiskey on the bus, mm -hmm. which I never could do. And they understood that because I don't have the constitution. I'm, I'm just not that guy. I just didn't party. You have one drink and it's all over. I've seen Tommy. That. Tommy Lee used to have this line about me. Lon's a very spiritual guy who can't hold his alcohol. I just get happy in one, but, but I can't wake up, bad hangover. I'm not that, those metal guys, those guys with these th that thick, almost armor, and they could go deep. I mean, that's like what Nam at night is. That's why you, know, you go to the Schechter jam, Zach Wilde's playing, and it's like carnage. And I'm sure none of them are alcoholics. Well, you know, you're, you, you, you know from working with sober people. I yeah. just, moderation is my, is my mantra. So circling back, I played that every week on Wednesday. I was on, on my show, and that's what that promo was for Breath of Fire. I think the last part of it was, it's completely metal physical. <laughs> so I'll find that in an, I'll find that in, and that'll be a, a future morium to Miguel. But with love, uh, thank you, Joanna. And this is for Luke and Miguel. And we we may we may bust into the chorus again. Oh, we have to. Do you know what was really weird at the Nam show? That when I saw Luke, Bobby Kimball was in the booth. I mean, he... It, he hasn't been anywhere near Toto in like a long time, like oh, really? a decade at least. And Bobby Kimball is the voice that hit those, yeah, yeah, the, 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 that hit the notes on this score. So wait, we're gonna try and hit those. We're notes. gonna we're we're gonna go out with some Toto, my high school band, and my friend Luke, who I've loved for forty years, and um, for Miguel and for everybody who's listening and tuning in. Thank you, bless you, grateful that anybody understands even a fraction of what's going on between my head and between my lungs. This is Energized Lawn Friend Podcast. Shake it, Joe. Shake those big titties. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> My traffic's going through the roof tonight. <laughs> I hear the drums echoing tonight. And she hears only whispers of some quiet, quiet conversation. conversation. 
you all love you all listen to music turn off the news turn on your muse on friend energize <laughs> 